0: The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Well, it's good to be back with you all again. Uh, whenever I think of First Manny, like it, at first, a while when I was up there in Sunday school this morning, I say, "Where are you going today?" And I tell them, and "I said I really enjoy going there because y'all are so gracious when I do come, and I appreciate that special. Whenever I go anywhere, well, when I pastored every Sunday morning, I got up. I was nervous as a cat, <laughs> but the Lord is near me all the time, and so He's with me today. I am sure because that's His promise. I'm going to be speaking on a familiar subject today, and it's really on the second coming, but uh, I don't have a specific passage. I'm going to mainly deal in Genesis 6 and, verse, and, cha- and chapter 6 and 7, and then in Matthew 24, and then multiple scriptures uh, thrown in there, but uh, although we may not know the day and the hour of jesus second coming we know that he is coming and i personally believe it's going to be very soon it's going to be soon for me regardless (laughs) at my age now but uh, the second coming is the most significant future event in our history in all our time you know uh, you've heard the saying nothing certain except death and taxes well, i tell you, second coming is even more certain than that. Because if, we, if he comes, those of us who are still alive, we're not going to die physically. And uh, uh, taxes, you don't ever know from, they're always going to be here, maybe in one shape, form, or another. Uh, but uh, the second coming is mentioned 1,200 times in the Old Testament and 300 times in the New Testament. Second coming is that blessed hope that Paul talks about in Titus 2 and verse 13. Prior to the crucifixion, uh, Jesus was uh, telling his disciples that he was going to leave them, but he would come back in John fourteen three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Uh, Then after the resurrection, at his ascension, there were two angels at the ascension. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels asked the disciples in verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up uh, from you into heaven, will come again like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So it's, it seems like there's not a day goes by that I don't hear somebody talk about the second coming. They'll mention it in some passing. Whether, well, you know, I do it all the time. Watching the news, you just shake your head and say you don't know how it's, how, uh, it's going to keep the Lord from coming back soon. Uh, being part of an evangelical church, we're looking for the second coming. And so obviously the people that we're surrounded by and we're talking to day by day, uh, they'll mention the second coming. But it's not true that everybody's looking for the second coming. You know, first of all, 69% of the world's population do not claim to be Christian. And that's out of 8 billion people. So obviously these 5.5 billion people in the world are not looking for the second return of Jesus Christ. Even the many of the 31% of the people on the earth that claim to be Christian, many of them don't look for an imminent return of jesus christ i'll give you an example last couple of weeks ago i had a cousin came visit me from the pacific northwest and we were watching the news and i said something about you know uh, this you know this, uh, the world can't just keep going like this well immediately they thought i was talking about climate change where you would have thought about the second coming so everybody's not looking for the second coming. I believe Jesus' return is imminent. And there's no prophecy that needs to take place before he can come back. Uh, that means he could come back before the end of this service. So if you hear a trumpet, don't get too afraid. Be excited. <laughs> uh, but I heard a preacher say the other day, and uh, I can't remember who it was. And in fact, my, my son heard the same deal on the radio this this pastor was saying, he's not looking for a sign, he's listening for a shout. And that's what we all ought to be doing, listening for the shout, because Jesus is going to come back soon. Uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, we read, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then when we get to over to Matthew 24, Jesus talks about it in verse 37 through 39. But this is the but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away as also uh, will the coming of the Son of Man be. So obviously the disciples, they wanted to know when Jesus was coming back. So Jesus told them that, well he'd tell them, to describe the events that would happen before Jesus' return. But they, he, he, he tells them in Matthew 24 and verse 36... But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So we may not know the time, but we do know the signs of the second coming. And Jesus said the signs were similar to the times and the lifestyle of those before the flood. In Genesis 6, we see the world had become extremely wicked. Uh, Beginning in verse 5. Uh, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of men uh, was great in the earth, and that that every intent of their thoughts of his his heart uh, was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man uh, on the earth and was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds uh, of the air. And I I am uh, sorry that I have made them. It sounds like you're reading a newspaper, today's newspaper. There's great wickedness all around us. Every intent of man's thoughts were evil in that day. They are today, it seems like. In verse 11, the uh, the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. You know, God said said he was grieved in his heart and was going to destroy mankind. In the 75 years that I've been on this earth, I've never seen it more evil or more wicked uh, and more violent than it is today. This, this, this sounds a little discouraging. If you read this, you might get discouraged. But we ought to be encouraged by it, really. But in verse 8, we see a very ho- uh, hopeful word. It's a little word, three-letter word. and probably the most hopeful word in the scriptures. He says, but. All this is happening. He says, but. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, in uh, contrast to the rest of mankind, Noah lived a just life. And walked with God. Grace is central. To God's plan of salvation. You know many. Uh, don't believe that the sto- in the story of, John- of Noah. Uh, but I believe it is true. I believe it actually happened. It's interesting to. To realize that in all. Uh, all the civilizations. And all the cultures of the world. There's a, there's a major flood story. In each one of them. Each of us has been given a deadline like those in noah's day uh, and hebrews nine twenty seven for it is appointed unto man wants to die, and after this, the judgment that we have a deadline, and it's out there someplace, and we don't know where when it is, where it is, maybe before the day's up, and maybe 50 years from now, but it's god's got a deadline for us if he doesn't return before that, and so uh, if if uh, we've rejected the gospel over the many years of our lives, uh, you may feel the calling, and and uh, may may need to realize the fact that uh, there's a deadline out there. You know all all these uh, uh, flood stories; they all they're very similar, but uh, there's some variation. Some of them are quite pagan. But there's still a flood story in these, in their histories. In, uh, Genesis 6, 13 through 16, uh, God gave him very specific instructions on how to build the ark. Um, more, more, it's, it's more like a box than it is a ship. It was, it was built to float, not to sail. I mean, there wasn't any place they could go anyway, so there wouldn't be any sense in sailing. There was no rudder. There was no, uh, Steering mechanisms or anything like that It was just floating And so uh, God gave him the instructions On how to build it And uh, he, he said build it 450 feet long 75 feet wide And that's a ratio of 6 to 1 And what I understand This is the ratio of uh, many ships That are built today Is on a 6 to 1 ratio um, as this, this ratio would have made the, the ark Very stable and uh, according to God's specifications, it would have been about 100,000 square feet or 522 railroad cars. That would be enough to ha- to house more than 50,000 animals. You have to notice that God said load the animals or that he would bring them to them and they would load. They didn't have to be adult animals. They could take baby animals, which would have taken a whole lot less room up on the ark. Uh, So God brought these animals to him And it took Noah and his family 120 years to build uh, the ark I can't imagine how difficult it would have been with hand tools To build a ship, uh, not a ship, an ark of that size Uh, Today we have all kinds of equipment Uh, Recently they cut the trees beside my house and I'd watch them, and they would get out there, and they'd cut a tree. They'd cut a huge tree down in less than ten seconds. Now, how many ti- how long would it take a man with a with a hatchet, I guess, to cut a tree down uh, in that day and time? So I I, I called a, a friend of mine who, Dennis Bishop. Some of y'all know him, and I said, "What is that thing they call that they cut that tree down so fast?" He says, "A shear." And I said, "Well, what other equipment do they use?" He said, "They had a processor. I guess that knocks the limbs off, and then they had a big machine that loaded it." And I said, "How long would that take?" He said, "Well, from time they cut it uh, to the time they put it in a stack would have been about two or three minutes, and and it would have taken two or three days or more, uh, maybe two or three weeks. I don't know how long it would take to do that by hand, but uh, he he told me well." Jimmy Bray was having trees cut by his house uh, or around his area someplace. And he said, he'll check you up on it. I'll check you up and see if you told the right thing or the right equipment and everything like that. So I said, well, I need to know because I don't want to be called on the carpet afterwards. Uh, During this time, uh, Noah preached the gospel. You know, and and you talk to preachers today. And they may tell you it's harder to preach the gospel today than it has ever been in their lives. Noah preached for 120 years. Just think about it, how hard we think it is today. He preached 120 years without a single convert except for his family. 120 years he preached. All this time he was preaching, he was ridiculed, made fun of, rejected. Uh, not much different than in today's time than in Noah's time. The world is becoming more perverted all the time. Uh, We're we're becoming more like Sodom and Gomorrah. I can't believe how far we've went in a couple years, how far we've went towards that kind of society. It's uh, getting... uh, The the culture is getting more hardened to the gospel every day. In this passage, we see God's patience, and then we also see that God was not... uh, Inexhaustible, most of us flown on an airplane. I don't fly much. I, I believe the scripture says that he's with us low on the ground. Uh, he's low with he is with us always so but anyway, uh, when you get up there and you're getting close to the departure time, somebody'll come on loudspeak and say, First call for flight such and such, and then they will go on and on, and then after a while they say. Last call for the flight that you're going to be on, and uh, so you know God. We see here that God has given these people a last call. He's been calling them for 120 years, and now He gives a last call in verse uh, chapter seven and verse one. God commanded Noah and his family and all the animals to board the ark. Uh, After and then He said after seven days. I will cause the rain 40 days and 40 nights and destroy all mankind. That's in 7 and verse 4. Noah and his family were ready. Uh, I, I can't imagine what they felt like when God told them to get on the, pl- on the boat, uh, the ark, and uh, said, now you're going to be there for seven days before the rain is going to start coming. Can you imagine the ridicule that he got? you know, he's been preaching the, the, the rain's going to come and he, and he loads on the ark. The rain doesn't come. For seven days, God gave the people of Noah's time seven days to respond to the gospel in a positive way. In Second Peter 3 and verse 9, he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but his long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to the repentance you know god had given them 120 years they rejected it now he gives them seven more days the last call at any time during that 120 days they could have responded positively to the gospel but they rejected And uh, now the only way they could be saved from this flood by entering the ark but they again rejected the invitation mocking Noah even more intensely than they had before Uh, Noah sat inside the ark for those seven days with no rain and then in in chapter 7 verse 16 is a significant verse he said the Lord shut him in the Lord shut him in you know, it reminds me of Afghanistan, the the evacuation of Af- Afghanistan. You remember seeing those people running beside the airplane? They were banging on the airplane. They were climbing all over the airplane. Some climbed up on the on the airplane and held on, and, and then they, the airplane took off. And after it got hundreds of feet in the air, you could see them falling off. It was terrible. Some had gotten in the wheel well and tried to uh, survive that way, but they they perished as well. So. Uh, God shut the door I'm sure that if, if Noah uh, could have he would, And when he heard those people banging on the side of the ark he would have opened the door but he, didn't, he couldn't open the door God shut the door and there's only one door and uh, one door only and that's the only way they could have been saved from the judgment of God uh, to come he was uh, it was to go through that door that's the only way in John 14, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. In John 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. See, the ark is actually a type of Christ, but that's another study. We don't have time to do that this morning. But uh, uh, it brings us to the deadline. They had a deadline, and they, and, and they, there, there wasn't anything they could do. When God shut the door, that was all the world's... Deadline, except for Noah and his family uh, so if, uh, if, you know, if God's calling you you, know, you haven't met your deadline yet I, I would pray that we would all uh, respond positively to the gospel because we have an appointment to meet we sing the song there's room at the cross for you though millions have come there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. know, It's estimated the ark could have held 50,000 animals. But it's also estimated by the people that I read that only, that would only encompass 40% of the, of the area in the ark. That would leave 60,000 square feet for others to come. God had prepared for them. He had made room for them, but they did not come. They rejected God's invitation. There's only one way to salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. And if he's calling you this morning, there's room at the cross for you. And I would encourage you to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. There may be another decision you need to make. I have no idea what it might be. It might have nothing to do with anything I said today. But God is always really ready and willing to receive you and to listen to you. And you can, you can come and talk to me. You can do business with God right there in your pew, whatever you want to do. But please respond positively. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.